Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sunday, November 24th at 1 p.m. Soldier Field, the 2-8. and eight. New York football giants will be taking on the Bears of Chicago. Coming off the bye, the Giants look to finish the season strong. The final six games of the season. David, let's have a pregame show. probably the corniest dumbest intro i've ever had um you've definitely done cornier let's have a pregame show what does let's that have, even mean <laughs> let's have a pregame show let's let's take let's part in do, a pregame show let us let us do that football david how are you <laughs> that is pretty corny you're right uh i'm good i uh have a flight to catch pretty soon i don't know why i do this to myself but Yes, Justin, I will be uh, going to Chicago in a little while to probably get my heart broken again. When you told me that you were going to the game and you and you said you're welcome to come, I, I couldn't believe you. <laughs> I was flabbergasted. Yeah. What, what was your what was your mindset? Yeah. Like, so it, what was your mindset when uh, you pressed like uh, confirm yeah. your order? I'm not really sure. So what had happened was. When I looked at, at the beginning of the year, as everyone knows, I went to the Lions game uh, last month. We wanted to go to the Chicago Bears game. like We wanted to go to Chicago. And because the Bears were projected to be really good this year and the Giants were, in theory, supposed to be maybe, be, maybe be a little bit better, the tickets were crazy expensive. And now that both teams stink, um, tickets were not, not as expensive. And, uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of happened really quick. It was very impulsive. Um, but I'm excited. I I'm I'm really excited. It's a great city, classic stadium. Got to check another stadium off my list. Have you ever had deep dish pizza before? I haven't. Really? And I've been to Chicago. I just have never never gotten to have it. That's actually terrible. You've been to Chicago and you've never had deep dish pizza before. Yeah, it, it'll happen. It'll happen this time around. I will I will give my thoughts um next week. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this pregame show, David is already in Chicago. Yes, uh, uh, my flight is at 3 o'clock on Saturday. All right. So, uh, David, uh, this is going to be a little plug for a blog that I recently just wrote. But I want to start off this pregame show because the bye week has been very a very interesting time for Giants Twitter. Um, it's been an interesting time for Giants fans. It hasn't been terrible. I think I think a lot of fans they could have been worse with some of their with some of their takes. So in reaction to 
very some very popular people on Giants Twitter and Giants content creators in reaction to them calling for a tank and for the Giants to basically tank the rest of the season. I wrote a blog because I'm not happy about this. David, we actually had a few different episodes last year. I believe it was around the episode number 2425 mark where we were actually talking about the ethics of tanking and we kind of cited some uh, sports marketing research and that was actually kind of a pretty fun conversation. I think Brett Wiley was a part of that too. And last year, there actually was, in my opinion, a legitimate argument for whether the Giants should tank or not. Because quarterback, the most important position of all in all of sports, was probably the main target and the main need for the team. And I think if there is any excuse and if there is any impetus to tank in the National Football League, it is for a quarterback that, as a franchise, you believe in. Like, I, I I say that's the only any kind of legitimate argument for it just because of how important the quarterback is. Would you, would you, David, quickly, would you agree with that? I am adamantly against the idea of a tank. I think it's but ridiculous. do you, but do you see, do you see the, the side and the argument that would say why you would want to tank for a quarterback? Yes. So I, I get your point. If, if you're ever going to embrace a tank, it should only be for the sake of getting a quarterback. I agree with you on that. I don't agree with the, with the, the point, but I get the philosophy. Yes, I I get it. Okay. So now that, and this is what baffles me is that the fact that, you know, if you tank and everybody and their mother wants chase young right now, if you tank chase young is not going to come in and fix Pat Shermer. He's not going to come in and help Daniel Jones progress as a quarterback in all likelihood already have our quarterback. So if you're if you're advocating for a tank and if you are and even if you're not serious about it because I know some people are like oh yeah I want to tank I want to tank I want to tank and then Sunday one o'clock is going to roll around and they're going to be right in front of that TV and they're going to be rooting you know they're going to be screaming at the TV all over again. I understand that people that say that they want the team to tank is not actively rooting for the team to lose. At least I would hope so. But when you are saying on social media or even just to your friends when you're saying I want the Giants to lose and I want the Giants to tank for Chase Young. What you are doing is you are putting the progression of Daniel Jones aside and you are not facing the fact that in all likelihood, Pat Shermer is going to be here next year. So when you advocate for the tank, don't be surprised that when next year, if the Giants do basically virtually lose out, don't be surprised if Pat Shermer has the same issues that he has this year, next year. As Giants fans, and what I want to see out of this football team for the final six games of the season, David, and it starts this week in Soldier Field. Luckily, it's coming off of we're coming off of a bye, so you don't feel as bad and you don't feel as maybe trepidatious about facing a top 10 defense in the entire league. You want to see progression. You want Pat Shermer to learn how to coach and coaching while winning. And you want Daniel Jones to, to continue to progress too, preferably cutting down on the fumbles, and he already has cut down on the interceptions, but particularly cutting down on those fumbles. That's what I want to see. And if you're tanking, you are not doing those things. And I'm saying this from a fan perspective, David. I'm not even saying like, oh, the team is thinking this, but the logic of thinking of fans, that's where I'm coming from here. And it's funny. I I feel like a lot of the people who would, who not embrace, but promote the tank are the same people who will get frustrated at the fact that 
next season, like you're saying, Justin, Daniel Jones won't have progressed and Pat Shermer won't have progressed and, and will be baffled by the fact that this team hasn't progressed. And to your point, one player cannot progress a team. A quarterback can. And the point is right now, and the point is right now, this is not a an overall team that is in a position to consistently win football games. And I don't care who you add to that. They're they're not a team that knows how to win. Pat Shermer is not a coach that knows how to win at any level in this uh, at any with any consistency as a head coach. He he has not done it anywhere he's gone. So I completely agree with you. I think fans who want to see a tank and a tank for Chase Young is overly optimistic of what this team is capable of as it stands right now. Because saying that you're trying to tank also means that you believe this team can win games with any kind of consistency. So you need to actively work against that. And this team has not shown that. There are too many holes. There are too many issues, deeply rooted issues with their ability to scheme a football game. If you look at the coaches and, and I look at Pat Shermer and James Batcher, these guys need to learn how to win football games at a consistent level. So I agree with you. That being said, I think the tank's ridiculous in the first place, regardless of what you're doing it for. I I would never disagree with what you're saying on this, Justin, because I think that's I think it's just a ridiculous point of view from a fan. I th- if if you believe that your team should tank, if you are rooting to lose football games, you can check your fan card at the door. Embarrassing. You know, and you and before you maybe call us homers, I said in this blog that I wrote, Pat Shermer's a losing head coach. He has a terrible, terrible record. Right now, as an NFL coach, Pat Shermer is not a winner. He is nowhere near it. So the fact that fans aren't understanding that unless there is a catastrophic end to this season, and I'm talking catastrophic meaning I don't think we win another game, David. I think that is a catastrophic end to the season, including when you're playing the Washington Football Club and the Miami Dolphins. I think if you win those two games, Pat Shermer's here. But if there's a catastrophic end to the season, he is not here. But we can get into that another time, and we can react to that as that comes. He's more likely than not here in 2020. So more than anybody on this football team right now, David, he needs to learn how to coach a winning football team. I don't really talk about maybe coaching that often in terms of putting solely things on coaching, we like to talk more about players on this podcast, but more than anybody on this football team right now, David, Pat Shermer needs to learn how to coach a winning football team. And I hope, because I am a fan, and I want the Giants to win and succeed with what they have, instead of speculating and talking about guys that the Giants organization probably won't even consider for an interview in the first place because John Mara only likes to go within his inner circle. I'm facing reality. I'm facing facts. I want Pat Shermer to win, and I want this football team to have a very, very good end to the season, and it starts right now. It does. I hope it does. Not say, <laughs> I, I hope. I hope it does more than anything, David. I agree with you. That that's my stance on the whole tanking um, argument. You should every time you go out, you should you should maybe not expect your team to win, but hope your team wins. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, as a Giants fan at this point, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, the Giants lost a football game. For instance, when they lost to the Jets, at that point, we already know the season's lost. 
Am I rooting for the Giants to lose against the Jets? Absolutely not. Of course not. I was, I'm was, i upset as they're losing. I'm upset as I watch the Jets score touchdowns. But there's nothing wrong with then after the game saying this team is lost. Losing this football game is not – it's not as if this is an eight-win team that just lost a football game. This is a team that is looking for the future. So losing is not the worst thing in the world. There are worse losses to take. This is not the worst loss we could have had. That being said, I'm right. rooting for him to win every single right. week. Because I think that that helps the team more in the long run right now, meaning Daniel Jones and Pat Shermer helps them more in the long run than it does losing. That That's 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 my opinion. So, David, where do you want to take us first um, when looking at this matchup that we have today for the Chicago Bears and the New York Football Giants? I think the biggest storyline of this game by far is James Betcher. And, and what his defense can accomplish against what has been an atrocious Chicago's Bear, Bears offense. Ranked 30th in the league, they're the 30th passing offense, and they're the 29th rushing offense. He, here's, where I, here's where I stand with, with James Betcher. I, I think, as much as I have been vocal about how I don't believe he should bear the brunt of whatever changes are going to, going to occur as the season goes on or in the offseason, I think he is. I think he's going to. As it stands right now, I don't think he has a job after Week 17. This game can only put that nail in his coffin. It can't save his job. But if the Giants defense can't manage to hold the Bears under, say, 21 points, 20, I, I dare I say 24 points, if this Giants defense can't keep Trubisky from having his quote-unquote get-right game, if this Bears offense doesn't treat the Giants defense as – a lot of teams have, if they can't, if, if they can hold the Bears from treating the Giants as the get-right game, I think it doesn't save his job, but I think it doesn't put that final nail in his coffin just yet. If the Bears go out and they do and they do their thing and they put up points and they put up yards, he's he he is done. There's no excuse for it because this is an offense that has not done a thing against any other team. I think they've gone over 30 once this year, and it was against the Redskins. So this is a team that. They don't score points. Trubisky has, I'm looking at it right now, he's thrown for 15, almost 1,600 yards. He has nine touchdowns, four picks. Um, he's completing 62% of his passes. He's got a QBR of 37. Um, well, the Q- well, is, that, is, that Q- is that, wait, hold on. Is that QBR from the ESPN um, ESPN yes. measure? Or Okay, all right. Well, then the what's, what's, the, what's the quarterback rating like without that ESPN measure? Uh, 82.2. He's completing a high percentage of his passes. What's his yards? What's his uh, yards per attempt? Five point six. All right, that sounds all right. That's very McAdoo like. Like that is a very McAdoo like. That's high. It's high completion percentage, low yards per attempt. He's got to be just dinking and dunking. Mitchell Trubisky is playing like Eli Manning. Everything is within you know within five yards of line of scrimmage. Um, looking at it right now, so Allen Robinson is the leading receiver on the team. He has fifty-seven catches for six hundred and thirty-three yards. The next closest is Taylor Gabriel. 28 catches for 334. Um, Tariq Cohen has the second most targets on the team with 61, only behind Allen Robinson. The next closest receiver is Taylor Gabriel with 45 targets. They don't throw the ball down the field. They can't run the ball with any kind of consistency. David Montgomery has almost just under 500 yards. He's averaging three and a half yards a carry, only 50, 50 yards a game. And yeah, this is supposed to be a breakout year from Tariq Cohen has done nothing. It, this offense is 
just in quicksand. They cannot go. They can't move. And if the Giants' defense allows them to move and put up points and put up yards with consistency, Betcher is done. I want to get to Betcher in a second, but you were listening to some Chicago podcasts this week. How frustrated are they with Trubisky and Nagy at the same time? From everything I'm hearing, they are equally frustrated with both of them. They are they are done with both of them, and, and I think where where they are is they're in a, a tough spot because if you want to go out and win football games, Chase Daniels probably your better option at this point. That's that's their uh, that's at least some of the things that I've listened to sounds to me like Chase Daniels is where they believe they can actually get some production. He he played pretty well. Um, in the, in the three games he's played in this year, he's played pretty well. Matt, Matt Nagy is just, it appears to me, just from what I've watched personally, I've watched a lot of his press conferences and, and the Chicago media has had a field day with him. Um, they have a, he, he's very, he's very Pat Shermer like in his uh, kind of abrasive sarcasm. And when you're not winning football games, that's just not a good, uh, it's not a good style to have when you don't win football games because it just comes off as being kind of um, trying to think of a nice word. Uh, we're just going to go with mean. He's he's butchered a couple of time management things throughout the year, which has really hurt them. Um, putting a lot of a lot of weight on Trubisky, making him try to do a lot of things that he's showing he can't do. It just it's it's a mess. It's a complete mess. And I have a. F- Real, real fear that I'm going to go to Chicago um, Sunday and I'm going to watch this offense not be a mess anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely worried. I mean, Betcher has lit literally zero, zero excuses for not bringing the fucking house on Trubisky. Every second and long, every third and long, bring the fucking house and get off the goddamn football field he david he has zero excuse zero excuse five yards per attempt is putrid it's putrid i had no idea it was that bad that is terrible for for all the complaining that we would do about eli manning eli manning would still average over seven yards per attempt so this man james betcher who we have defended on this podcast even though you know, he has, has terrible personnel, terrible, terrible, terrible personnel with a lot of very, very young players, doesn't mix very well. But at the same time, he has not done what he has been hired out of Arizona to do, which is to bring pressure. We saw one year, David, in Arizona, James Betcher brought blitzes on 47% of the time. His blitz rate cannot be higher than 20% this year. That would be lows. That would be his all-time lows in Arizona. Granted, you have more personnel and you have more people that you can trust when you're in Arizona in terms of people in that secondary that you can feel comfortable with bringing some guys. But David, today, they have he, Betcher, has no excuse to be bringing guys and to be bringing looks, to be shoving people down that offensive line and Trubisky's throat all fucking day. And he fought, and honestly, even though we've defended him, if he doesn't do it that today, this game, and if he's had two weeks to prepare for this shit, if he doesn't do it today, he should be fucking fired. He should. 
I could still make an argument for why I think it's not fair to fire him. But, you know, take this right now, November 23rd, we're recording this, 24th. I always do that. If the defense does not have a good day, he should be fired. It's alarming. That becomes extremely alarming. There was only one really, really only one game you can point to and say the defense played a good game against a team that they were supposed to play well against, and that was the Redskins back in week three or week four. Even I'll have to join and probably say it's probably not going to happen for, for Betcher. And I can make arguments for why they're not blitzing and, and all these different things, but you got to get the job done. With two weeks to prepare for an inept offense, they've scored 169 points. That's that's bad. That's really bad. With a, I'll say, you said top 10, it's probably, maybe not statistically, but talent-wise, if they had an offense on the field that could score points consistently, it's a top five defense. They're ranked seventh in terms of total yards allowed, so. It's, it's a top five defense. And the Bears have 14.3 points per game on offense since week eight, and that's the third fewest in the NFL. And we're in week 12. Mind you, Trubisky has not gone over 200 yards passing since October. I'm willing to put an insignificant body part on the line, which I won't do, but I would be willing to do it, that he will get over 200 yards passing this game. Yes, for sure. He His, uh, his last three games, uh, Eagles, Lions, Rams, he went 10 for 21 for 125, 16 for 23 for 173, and 24 for 43 for 190. He threw the ball 43 times and managed 190 yards. Those three defenses, especially I'm thinking because, I mean, we're more familiar with the Eagles. That Eagles secondary is not good. No. no. The Rams allowed how many points and how many yards to Jameis Winston? And if I recall the Eagles-Bears game, I believe Trubisky had like 11 yards in the first half. Jesus. All right. So we we basically uh, fully fledged out what we expect on the defense and hopefully, uh, you know, what we, what we kind of expect that, that Bears offense to do or not do. David, let's let's finish off with the offense. Um, Sterling Shepard is back. Um, let let's talk about this first. Do do you do you agree with him coming back? And I, it's not it's not Shermer's fault. You can't you can't blame Shermer. But I I have a very big problem with the Giants' training staff and how they've uh, handled injuries going back to the first week of training camp. Um, so what do you, what do you think about him coming back? I don't have a problem with it. Again, if he's cleared, he wants to play. He feels good. He's clearly, he has been very open and honest with the training staff. You know, he, he was the one who came uh, three weeks ago before the uh, Cowboy game and said, I'm not feeling right. I've got my symptoms back. And, you know, right back in the protocol he went. He knew what that meant. He clearly wants to play. I think the coaching staff wants him to play. The training staff feels like he can play. And this is kind of to your point about the tank earlier, Justin. And I'm not equating Shepard sitting to a tank, but I think Sterling Shepard being on the field is big for Daniel Jones and is big for this offense learning how to move the ball and score points because since Sterling Shepard has not been on the field, we've talked about this multiple times, the Giants do not have receivers that get any any separation. They don't get open. Sterling Shepard knows how to get open, and when he has been healthy with Daniel Jones. He's gone over nine targets every single game. I think for Daniel Jones, he's huge to get healthy. And if, if you can play him and he feels good, 
I think you play him. You need to progress. You need to learn how to win. And Sterling Shepard is a piece for this team moving forward. You need to learn how to win with these two guys on the field at the same time. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, it's just a matter of you want Sterling Shepard to be here for a very long time. And I do not trust right now this giant medical staff in terms of how they clear and how they go about clearing guys to go back on a football field. And I don't think that that's me playing doctor. And I don't think that's me going all conspiracy theory. They, the way that they've handled Saquon Barkley, the way that they handled uh, Sterling Shepard throughout all of his injuries throughout the entire season. And what scares me the most, David, is that they did clear him. And it wasn't until la- that latter end of the week against that, against the Cowboys, the week of the Cowboy game, that Sterling Shepard actually did come forward and say, you know, you know what, I'm not right. That's that's fucking lunacy to me. How this how this all is working. Well, I think that's what's tough about concussions. They you can feel fine and then you can suddenly not anymore. So what I'm saying is, but it's just not concussions though. It's not just right. concussions. Uh, yeah. right. uh, They're having him catch a fucking footballs one week after he breaks his thumb. They're having Saquon Barkley after a high ankle sprain, which is the most serious kind of ankle sprain, come back after the, the minimal amount of recovering time. They're having him come back after that. It's it's a sign and it is a pattern. This is almost just as bad as when Tom Coughlin was here. I get your point. But, you know, we've we've butted heads on this before. I have no choice but to trust the training stuff. Right, and that's that's the shitty part. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> yeah. we do have no choice. We we like if you respond to me, and this is the worst kind of response that you can give to me when You're I talk about this. Because it um, well, not just I'm not a doctor, but also we have to trust the professionals. Well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. We have to trust the professionals because we have no other choice. Because we're not in the building. Like I'm very much aware that I am here, sitting at my desk, and they are in the building, and I'm not in the building. So I'm very aware of that. You don't need to tell me. But the fact that this isn't a this isn't alarming to people, and this isn't alarming to more people, I find to be absurd. So maybe I'm the crazy one, David. No, I get your point. Clearly, there is something wrong with the way the Giants handle medical situations and the way they handle getting their players healthy, keeping their players healthy. I have no idea what the problem is, but clearly something needs to be adjusted. If Sterling Shepard says he's good, training staff says he's good, coaching staff feels he's good, he plays. Solder's back. Remmers is back. I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see Nick Gates. Yeah, uh, I'm a little disappointed we don't get to see Nick Gates. I don't understand people's thinking of wanting Nick Gates to go in for Mike Remmers when Nate Solder has been by far and large the worst offensive lineman on this football team. I don't understand that thinking of fans who are like, oh, yeah, pull Mike Remmers. Mike Remmers should be this team's starting left tackle right now, and Nick Gates should be our this team's starting right tackle. Yes. I don't know if they would ever make that move. I would love them to. If there is one move that I want the Giants to make post-buy, I can honestly care less about Julian Love being out there because if they don't feel that Julian Love is ready at safety at this point, then they may not feel that he's ready to step on the football field at all. The fact that they had Corey Ballantyne playing at nickel corner over Julian Love tells me that he's not ready to pl- see the field. I know a lot of people want to see Julian Love. Well, that has but for me that just in, really quick that uh, Betcher said that he will get snaps this week. Yeah, but I'm saying in terms of like my line of thinking. Yes, in terms I, I of yes, yes who yes, I, I want to see out there more. 
I want to see what Nick Gates has more at tackle than any other move that the Giants could make at this point in the season. Because he could actually realistically be a part of something that we do long term, whether it be at right tackle or because he is a little because he is lacking in size a little bit, him possibly moving to an interior alignment position. Because David, when you have the technique and when you have the good footwork like he does, you can kind of go anywhere. Well, and that was that was so a big draw yeah. for Nick Gates. That I remember back in uh, back pre-season. in preseason, people, we were going crazy—not crazy, but we were excited about Nick Gates because he has the ability to play a lot of different places, which is why he's on this team. I, I think at the end of the day, you're you're still running into the same into the same problem the Giants have had with Nick with Nate Solder. It's you're not going to bench a guy who's making that much money. You, you, it's it's a it's just stupid. One final thing. One final thing we will touch on, Saquon Barkley. What do we? What do we? Re- I mean, obviously against the Bears defense, I don't know what we realistically expect out of him, but he's still he's still making subtle hints in his press conferences that he's not fully healthy. Because if you heard, if you kind of heard some of the quotes that he said this week, he says, "I'm working towards getting more healthy." <laughs> so that still yeah. doesn't tell me that he is that he is fully a hundred percent. And again, th- there are beat reporters and you know higher up, you know, Giants content creators that are acting like this is a sophomore slump for Saquon Barkley. <laughs> and I want to politely ask you to shut your mouth because that's a looking for clicks take, David, and not actually looking at why Saquon Barkley may not be succeeding and running the ball as well as he should be. I don't think you go from being so, so great and so, so elite and virtually carrying the team on your back one year and then looking like you're totally lost the next yeah. year. Could be wrong. Don't think that's how that works. I, I, I agree with you. I think Sa- Saquon is clearly not healthy, and that's been the case for a couple of weeks now. And not to mention... The offensive line has been atrocious the last few weeks. There's been nothing. I mean, against the Jets, you're watching it. Sure, Saquon doesn't look right. He he's not hitting anything with any kind of explosiveness. But the offensive line is getting pushed back into him ev- almost every time he, he he touches the ball, which has to make you worried about what that's going to mean going into this week against Chicago because you know that yeah, up, up front they're, be they're nasty up front. It's okay. Saquon said he's going to start having fun again. He's going to play like himself. Not really sure what that means. I will say, though, I mean, there there have been some takes, and I've appreciated these. The fact that he's been kind of looking for the 40-yard gains, and he's been going, you know, that east-west approach as opposed to, as opposed to north-south. He had that east-west approach his first eight weeks or, you know, the first half of the season yeah. last year. And then it took until the bye week for him to really look at the film and be like, okay, this isn't this isn't who I am. This isn't the type of running back that I want to be in the NFL you can look for the East West in college and then get away with it when have the flashy highlight plays. But in the NFL, you can't get away with that. Guys are too big. They're too fast. They're going to catch you. They're, they're going to get you down on the ground. And last year when he really took off, it was because he started, he started being okay with four and a half yard runs. And, and that's, that that's big. Yeah. So is this bye week going to serve as the same thing? I don't know. I hope so. But at the same time, at this point, I don't know if I actually want him to be okay. Now he's going to break out. Because then what does that mean? What did these all these games that he had in between him coming back from his injury and then whatever game he breaks out, what did that mean? 
Right. Like, what what did that mean for him, and what did that mean for the way that he's seeing the field? Does he always need this bye week to reevaluate the way that he runs the ball? I don't know. So, David, at this point, I feel like we're just having word vomit, and I feel <laughs> like we've touched on everything that we need to touch on. I hope Daniel Jones goes out there and has a good game, and he doesn't fumble the ball, and he doesn't throw interceptions, and I hope he continues processing and seeing the field, very similar to how he's been seeing the field basically since the Lions game, because he's looked pretty good. Yeah, definitely. And, and Sterling Shepard will help him. Des, um, question for you, Justin, just because I haven't seen anything. Is Janoris Jenkins healthy? Yes, he is playing. He is playing. I don't know if he's healthy, but he's playing. Okay, he is playing. Um, yes, Nate Solder's playing, Janoris Jenkins is playing, uh, both Rhett Ellison and, and Evan Ingram Evan are Ingram out. out. I am. I know you're going to get frustrated about this, Justin, but I am uh, excited to see, hopefully, Sam Beal get a little bit of playing time in situations where the opposing team is not just running the football. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at, at this point, there should be a rotation going on. At this point in the season, they, there should be a rotation between Jack Rabbit. You know, you take Baker out maybe for some plays, but I want him on the field that I want him getting the in-game But don't reps. you know, Justin, DeAndre Baker's been the worst quarterback in the NFL this year. Right. We can, we can, um, we can address that. Especially, especially if he comes out and he has a good game this weekend. I don't care if it's against Mitchell Trubisky. If he comes out and he's covering his receiver well this weekend, you bet your ass that bleeding blue. We will be talking about DeAndre Baker having a good game if he does have a good game. I I actually pray. I'm praying. <laughs> if there is one guy that I really want to have a good game, it's fucking DeAndre Baker because God damn it, he needs it. <laughs> yeah, he does. But the funny thing is, he really like for his own psyche and his own, you know, to feel good about himself, he really shouldn't because he's been fine. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that, that one play, the, that one play, David, where he didn't show effort, yeah. that was a tough play. And he got, he, but and he got chewed he, out. He, he got chewed out. He got, he got bullied in the media about it. The team got on him about it. Move on. Yeah, but let's let's give up the best corner that's ever come out of the SEC within the last however many years. Yes, because that makes sense. On a, on a, on a, team, on a team that sports... Virtually no no cover safety helping him. A and James Betcher's playing some convoluted limited, fucking limited, zone. Yeah, a limited pass rush. It's ridiculous. All right. David, I hope we win. I hope wow. you go and experience a victory at Soldier Field. That would be awesome. Do you do you have your Sterling Shepherd jersey with you? I do. All right, so he'll be back. That'll be a that'll be a good time to wear it. It will be very. That's, I'm very excited. Hopefully, I'm he does excited. not get concussed. Justin, do you think Bears fans are nasty people? I don't really know many Bears fans. I don't think they are. I, I, I feel like they're not going to be. Ask uh, when you go and get pizza Saturday night. Ask when you go and get pizza. Hey, are Bears fans nasty people? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm curious because Lions fans weren't bad. NFC North brothers. Bro- what do you mean Brothers. NFC, like they're they're in the same division. All right, bad bad joke. Oh uh, yes, bad joke. Bad joke. That All was right. t- that was tough. Yeah. All right, keep on uh keep on bleeding blue. Keep on bleeding blue. Uh, you will hear from us whenever you hear from us next. I'm going to make go. I'm going to make no guarantees. Uh, we love you all. God damn it, I forgot to mention that I really want to get to 100 ratings on the Papple Podcast app. At the beginning of the show, again, I am a terrible podcaster and a terrible host. Uh, keep on bleeding yep. blue. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. And David. <clears throat> <coughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. Oh my god. <coughs> <coughs>
But I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Oh. Oh. I'm good. Um, well, it's hard to be beautiful after that one, but if anybody can do it, it's you guys. We're conference, bitch. What the fuck you talking? Oh my god.